PhotoShelter presents Vision Slightly Blurred. I'm Alan Murabayashi. And I'm Sarah Jacobs. Sarah, at the end of December, there was uh, a news article in Petapixel about Penn State journalists who were working for the Collegian, which is one of the uh, newspapers on campus. It is, like many journalism outlets at schools, it is an independent organization with a separate board of directors. Uh, it may or may not get some funding from the university. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets, you know, some club funding like like many extracurricular organizations get. Um, but what happened was that the journalists were asked to sign a pretty onerous contract. And the contract read, I hereby assign to the Collegian Inc. all rights, title, and interests, including copyright, in and to any and all such photographs, sound recordings, motion pictures, or videos, and I hereby irrevocably authorize Collegian Inc., its officers, agents, and employees without limitation to reproduce, copy, sell, exhibit, publish, or distribute in any medium now known or later developed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The students read this contract and they said, this doesn't sound quite right, considering especially that we're volunteers. And so they sent a note to Mickey Osterreicher, who's a general counsel over at the National Press Photographers Association, as well as the Student Press Law Center, uh, which is an organization, a 501c3, that works to promote and support and defend the First Amendment and press freedom rights of high school and college journalists and their advisors. Both of these organizations, the NPPA and the SPLC, advise the 25-plus students not to sign. And so it looked like there might be some room for negotiation to go on, but then the Collegian came back with a revision that basically did not address any of the concerns. What eventually happened was that all of the journalists decided to resign and not continue uh, working for the Collegian. Pretty, pretty surprising. What, was, what did you think about that? Well, yikes about this entire rights grab. I mean, the alarm bells go off, you know, including copyright. I mean, this is like, it makes me think of like a work for hire, except for these kids are paying to go to this school. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, <laughs> they're not even doing the work for free. They're, they're working at a, at a negative loss here. I, I'm proud, you know, that they paused and were like, wait a minute, let's contact the NPPA. Yeah, I was looking at the comments of the Petapixel article and Jack Resnicki, who we've mentioned a number of times, he's, he's one of the duo in the copyright zone guys. Uh, he said, generally, when you sign admission papers to be a student at a college, there's wording, that, uh, there's wording there that is basically a model release. So they can use any photos that might be taken view for promoting the school and other uses. This is, I've seen this uh, very common. That's, that's not an issue. They mm-hmm. also usually have something that gives them the right to reproduce your work. What I haven't seen, and it doesn't mean it doesn't happen, is the school getting your copyright. That would cause major problems. Like if you went to a master's, uh, went for a master's in photography, your thesis would be owned by the school and you couldn't use it if they own the copyright. That's why I've never seen it. A school can get everything it needs by getting perpetual rights and writing in their admission papers. They don't need the copyright. That's why, to me, this action of copyright grab is onerous. Yeah, definitely. Definitely heard of schools, you know, being able to use your photo for any type of like a photo of you for any type of promotional material. But this almost seems like the school is trying to use these images in who knows, you know, who knows what type of way. But it kind of takes over the um, the photojournalist role of of those that are hired by the school to document student life, which is a separate job. You know, 
Absolutely. You know, many universities, especially the larger ones, have staff photographers, if not entire photo departments mm -hmm. that are responsible for documenting and archiving what's going on at the school. So the notion that a student volunteer's work would be commandeered by this newspaper organization to be resold. And one of the, one of the stipulations was that the, the images could be resold uh, for commercial purposes without sharing any profits with the students was nuts to me. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed that the school came back um, at the students basically with like a worse offer. They, it doesn't seem like they are willing to negotiate or give the students what they, what they are asking for. I was looking on Twitter, uh, you know, most of the journalists signed their full name to a document that they posted in response to this contract. And one of the photographers, Jonah Rosen, uh, who's graduating in, in 22, uh, he tweets to start off, I want, I want to state how appreciative I am for the three and a half years at the Collegian. Uh, I have incredible experiences to take away from my time here, et cetera, et cetera. That said, a contract was emailed to the staff shortly before Thanksgiving break which was mandatory for all staff members to sign in order to remain on staff. The contents of the contract were extremely disturbing. They wanted me to sign away the copyright of my pictures to TDC, that's the, the Collegian, uh, as sole owners. Um, and so I started digging a little bit more into other photographers who had shot for the paper. There's another uh, uh, photographer who was also the photo editor for some time, Caitlin Lee, she had a photo that she took that was posted on the website of the Collegian, and it was also being sold. So you could buy it as a glossy print, and you can also buy it as a photo magnet and a, and a picture mug, a black ceramic hmm. picture mug. This is the type of thing that I see a lot with uh, small newspapers, where they're trying as much as possible to monetize photos. And, you know, in, in, in some regards, it's because... When a person in the community shows up in the newspaper, that person, because maybe they're not famous, gets a thrill out of seeing themselves in the newspaper and they want a copy of that photo for posterity. Makes sure. total sense. But to use volunteers' photos and then sell it as prints and photo magnets and put it on a mug, it <laughs> seems really distasteful. Now, I understand that the organization is a nonprofit and so they need to raise funds, but... I'm not sure exploiting the work of the college photographers is the right way to do that, especially without letting them share in on, on the profits. You had brought up uh, in our notes about Fla uh, Flower Mound High School. Um, Flower Mound is near Dallas, um, where the students pushed back. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it was a case uh, that was actually a couple years ago. I think it was 2014 or 2015. And there was a high school student at the time named Anthony Mazur who was selling photos that he took while he was in high school on his personal website. And the administrators at Flower Mound insisted that the photos that he took were actually owned by the school. And they told Mazur that if he's taking part in the student journalistic program, he needed to sign a waiver of ownership rights to the school, and he refused. Um, and he ended up suing the school, and the school backed down. Uh, hmm. It took, you know, four or five years for that to run its course. So he was actually a junior in college by the time that this lawsuit was dismissed. But it does set a precedence there to say that, you know, unless the student explicitly signs away the copyright, 
the student owns the copyright. And that, that is true with U.S. copyright law in general, right? If you're hired and the contract does not state that the hiring organization gets the copyright, you as a photographer own the copyright. Right. That's awesome that Anthony did that. And I'm glad he was successful in the suit. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about this in the context, you know, when, when I was in high school or when you were in high school, uh, I certainly was like pre-internet. Um, you were sort of like in the, in the infancy of the internet. The, <laughs> the MySpace era. <laughs> the MySpace era. You know, the notion of high school students have to, having to confront intellectual property ownership issues, I don't think it really comes up in most high school newspapers and probably only rarely comes up or starts to come up when you're in college and university because you start to understand the value of what you're creating. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why is because, you know, back in the day when, when we were creating printed newspapers that came out like once a quarter or once a month, the circulation was so small and there was no way for that content, whether it was written journalism or, or images, to go viral. Nowadays, you can literally be a 16-year-old with 10 million followers. <laughs> and when that's the case, you definitely understand the value of owning your content, right? And it's even right. different than, you know, like go back, whatever, 10 years and look at Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber was creating stuff on YouTube, but he really needed Scooter Braun, his manager, to come along and the record labels to push this stuff out through the radio waves for him to become Justin Bieber today. But it's not the case mm. on TikTok or YouTube or Instagram anymore. You don't need these gatekeepers. You can literally do it uh, out, of, out of your bedroom um, to become famous. And so now the fact that kids can make viral content means that schools have to have content creation policies. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, these Penn State students definitely grew up online. They understand the power of the image and how how many eyeballs it could potentially get. And they're much more savvy, I would say, about uh, content creation, about copyright, owning your stuff. Um, and it, the pushback makes sense. And, you know, a lot of these legacy organizations or even news organizations want to hire young people who understand social media, right? So it shows mm -hmm. that their knowledge and their domain expertise has value. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that every Penn State photographer was like a social media expert, but I am suggesting that content creation has value uh, and the notion of a, of a university or a school taking away the copyright from the creator uh, seems really abhorrent to me. And, and I'm glad that the staff quit and I hope that this issue continues to gain traction and people start talking about this at the high school and the university level. So this past Friday, President-elect Biden officially announced his communications team and uh, he appointed photographer Adam Schultz as his White House photographer. Yay. You and I had discussed, I know, yay, yay to Adam. You and I had discussed uh, his work on a previous show. Uh, he's been following Biden on the campaign trail, as much of a trail as there could be during COVID. Um, they also announced that Drew Heskett is the videographer. Um, and I think it's going to be a really amazing team. It'll be interesting to see what Adam does within this role um, that I feel like Pete Souza really left a legacy and kind of some big shoes to fill. Oh. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> and I think when you look at Sheila Craighead in the past four years in the way that photography was sort of relegated to a second class citizen, um, you know, when I look yeah. at the White House, the Trump White House Flickr feed, it it's really 
kind of sad when you compare it to what Pete was able to create, right? Because Mm -hmm. as we've said before, it's a lot of grip and grin photos, um, which, you know, I I don't know that the, the, I mean, there's obviously historical value in seeing Trump go to this place and shake hands with so-and-so, but when you look at the record of candid moments that Pete and other White House photographers have been able to capture, you just get much more sense of the person. And that mm-hmm. is not true with Trump. The one thing I'll say about Adam is he's a really young guy compared to other yeah. White House photographers. He's only about 36 years old. I see. Yeah, he graduated from Georgia State in, 20, in 2006. Um, and he worked for the Clinton Foundation. Um, and he also followed Hillary on, on her campaign. So he's done a lot in, in a very short time. He's done a lot. Uh, compared to many of the other White House photographers who came up through the photojournalism ranks, uh, it will be interesting to see if there's any discernible difference in the way that he's capturing uh, capturing the Biden presidency. And I would refer back to uh, an interview that Adam did with DP Review back in November, um, some interesting things about what he said. And, and one of the things, you know, they asked him, what is it like to be a, uh, a campaign photographer and what, and what is your role involved? And he said, a lot of it is generating marketing materials. Mm. So he saw his role as, you know, trying to market Biden as a candidate. And I wonder whether he will continue to see his role as at the white house is marketing Biden as the president. Whereas I think when you, when you read about Pete or you see interviews with Pete, he didn't see it as a marketing job. He really saw it as documenting part of history. So to the extent that that That's, shapes the way that they capture it, it'll be interesting to see over the next four years. Absolutely. That definitely is a bit of a different uh, mind shift and also just approach to the medium totally between marketing versus photojournalism. At any rate, congratulations to Adam. Uh, you know, there is a Biden for President Flickr account, but we assume that we'll very, very quickly see a uh, Biden White House Flickr account as well. Uh, and really looking forward to see what they can do with photo and video out of the, the Biden White House. Lastly, also in reference to the White House, uh, the Napalm Girl photographer Nick Ut, Pulitzer Prize winner, uh, who's also very famous for a photo of Paris Hilton crying in the back of a, a police car, received the <laughs> National Medal Iconic. of Arts from President Trump. And along with that medal, he also received a lot of grief. Mm. He did on, on the Twitter.com. On the Twitter.com. <laughs> what, what did you find on the Twitter.com? Sort of critical of his decision. Yeah, photographer Melissa Golden had tweeted out about it saying that accepting uh, this award kind of, un, quote, undermines journalism to conflate it with the arts. Um, and also WTF was oot thinking yeah. this is deeply troubling. Uh, first of all... Um, So this award has been given to many artists and only four photographers. Uh, It was, it started in 1984, I believe, and only four photographers have gotten it, but all four photographers have had a photojournalism approach to the work, um, including one of which was Gordon Parks, um, who received it under Reagan. Um, So I, that there's no difference there. I, I don't see any, uh, I don't see that there should be any controversy in terms of a photojournalist receiving this particular award. Do you? Uh, you know, I can, you know, it, it, it's been given to a lot of patrons of the arts and I think musicians. And so I can see where, 
Melissa as a photojournalist, photojournalist uh, is scared of conflating art with journalism. Um, but on the f- on the flip side, there there really is no other award that, unless you're going to give the Presidential Medal of Freedom uh, to Nick, which might you know arguably that might have been more appropriate as well. Um, hmm. And g- given that you know Trump was going to give it to Bill Belichick, the the coach of the the Patriots, then why why not give the Presidential Medal of Freedom to to Nick? Why the Medal of hmm. Arts? But you know who who knows what's going on in the in the head of the president and the people that advise him. <laughs> Uh, well, now that he's off Twitter, we really don't know. <laughs> we really don't know. <laughs> uh, I also want to. I want to note that the coach of the Patriots actually declined um, this medal this year. Was like, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to show up. I'm not going to. I'm not going to get that. He did, um, and the reason that he cited was because of the insurrection at the Capitol, um, mm-hmm. sort of implying that Trump was responsible for that, and and that was part of the grief that I saw uh, with Nick accepting award. Um, on, mm-hmm. on Facebook and Twitter with that, you know, some photographers or people in, in, in the photosphere said maybe he should have declined or it's a shame that he had to get it from Trump. In fact, he was receiving the, war, the award right as tr- the vote was going on right. <laughs> around Trump's impeachment. So the timing was uh, a little awkward. A little awkward. But he did write a piece in Newsweek uh, where he explains why he accepted and a lot of people read that, and I think they changed their tune a little bit. And part of what he said in that article was, when he, Trump, placed a medal around my neck, it was the happiest moment of my life. I couldn't believe the president of the United States was giving me a medal. But I don't mind if anyone is angry because the award is for me personally, and it's from the president of the United States. He's still the president, and this is America. We have freedom here. It should be noted that Nick was born in Vietnam, He began stringing for the Associated Press when he was 16. He was injured three times during the Vietnam War. He he photographed uh, Kim Phuc, the napalm girl, when he was 22 years old. He became an American citizen. And then subsequently saved her. Yeah, and he saved her, right? He he literally took Kim to the hospital before he turned in his film on that day. Became an American citizen. I mean, from the perspective of this kid who grew up in a village in Vietnam and then earned the Pulitzer Prize, and then at 69 years of age, won this medal, I can understand why he doesn't care which president gave it to him. That that mm. makes total sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I can understand wanting, after all of these years um, of hard work that he has put into the industry, um, into his own portfolio, I can understand wanting an award of this uh, prestige. The... I guess the counterpoint would be that Trump was handing out awards like the Presidential Medal of Freedom in such a way that a lot of people said, "What he's cheapening the value of it. So, for example, many of the people that he gave the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is the highest civilian award you can get, to, to athletes. Uh, and, and he gave it to Devin Nunes, who was a political ally, one of his most staunchest political uh, allies, um, and when, mm. you know, if, if nothing else, like forget about your, po- your politics for a second. Devin Nunes is a young man who has a very short political career, right? And typically mm. when you think of like these, the pinnacle awards that you could give for service in pursuit of freedom, you think, well, you need a lifetime of, of working towards 
quote, American ideals in order to be deserving of an award. And the fact that he's giving it to like Annika Sorenstam or or Devin Nunes, a lot of people will say, well, then, you know, it cheapens the value of the award. And so what Nick is getting is not, it's, it's, it's BS. But hmm. Nick has but a resume a, that you, yeah. can, you can't question. Yeah, yeah. And I think the Pulitzer um, Prize kind of backs up <laughs> yeah. that decision as well. <laughs> and, and the Paris Hilton photo. Let's not forget that. Right. And the Paris <laughs> I can't forget that. <laughs> the photographer, Mark Edward Harris, good friend of Nick, was with Nick uh, while he was getting the award. And Mark took a beautiful portrait a lit portrait near sundown of Nick wearing the medal with the American flag mask on holding his Leica. It's a lovely image. It is. It is. I think, you know, a strange part of this story is that um, Nick was assaulted on the streets of DC, what, two days after he received the award. Yeah. I, I don't think we know enough details about like why or who assaulted him. To my knowledge, but I mean, it is strange and it's sad. Um, I, he's recovering fine and he was with a friend. I, I read one report that it was like a homeless guy who might have been on drugs or had a mental health problem. Uh, okay, okay. So I don't think there was any malicious intent because of who okay. he was or the award that he got. It's just a weird, a weird coincidence. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry it happened to yeah, him, but yeah. So what a weird world we live in. Uh, yep. Only two more days until President Biden comes in and Adam Schultz is photographing that for history and different awards can be given out to hopefully more photographers who are deserving of either the Presidential <laughs> Medal of Freedom or this Arts, arts Medal. Uh, who knows? That would be very, that would be very <laughs> cool. I cannot wait to see what photojournalists capture at the inauguration. Oh God, I'm, I'm, I've been seeing a lot of photojournalists in DC already covering all of the riot gear and the National Guardsmen. Uh, David Burnett had a remarkable image of National Guardsmen in the Capitol Rotunda looking up at the artwork and being sort of astonished at what they were seeing. Um, <laughs> so hopefully things will remain peaceful. Hopefully we'll, yes. we will have a remarkable photographic document of the day. Uh, stay safe out there to all the photojournalists who are working on Wednesday. And with that, we thank you for listening to another episode of Vision Slightly Blurred. All of the links we've talked about today you can find on our blog at blog.photoshelter.com. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Send us a comment by tweeting at us at Photoshelter. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. PhotoShelter is the online leader for photography websites and workflow tools. Archive, distribute, and sell your photos in a mobile-friendly, responsive website. Try one free for 14 days at photoshelter.com slash podcast. Then download one of our free educational guides at photoshelter.com slash resources.